I would like to rather preach to you this morning about a grandmother. Not grandmothers, but a grandmother, if you stop and think about it. Here's what I don't understand when it comes to grandparents and grandmothers. I don't understand how they totally stop all of their disciplinary inaction. Uh, my mom seemed to have uh, lost uh, her broom, her belt, her stalk of celery, whatever she had in her hand to whoop us with as kids, that when the grandkids come out, they can do no wrong. Uh, they get a chance to do that. And I think it's just to kind of pay back. <laughs> I think it's just to punish us. But I want you to think about this. In all of the Scripture, in all of the New Testament, there is never the word grandfather. It's implied when you talk about Abraham and Father Abraham, and it's implied in Scripture, but the word itself is never in there. But the word grandmother is in the Bible, so maybe you ought to just feel special today. And we're handing out tiaras at the end of the service, and you can go around and tell everybody who you are, that you are a grandmother, right? But this word is used, and I want to give you the Greek word of grandmother. It's mame or mamie. Amen. Do you think Greek is really different from Southern speaking? But it's not. It's not because I hear kids going, Mommy, right? Or, hey, Mamie. Uh, and so it's no different. But it means one that is above mother. The word uh, mother is different. The word that was used, Mary, the mother of Jesus. The word mother here used in our text today about Eunice being the mother and stuff, it's, it's a different word there. It's a mater. But this word that we're talking about, grandmother, is mamie or mame, okay? It's the word that is uh, just used and classified. It's only one time in all of Scripture. And so if you've got your Bibles, look with me this morning to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And look at verse number one. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Don't you like that, first of all? Before we get into preaching, that's a wonderful thing because he's, he's saying, hey, I, I'm not called of myself. It's all God what he's doing with me. He said, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, Timothy, I'm writing these words to you. He says, to Timothy. Look at these words. My dearly beloved son. Now, it wasn't his uh, uh, biological son, it was his spiritual son. He says, my dearly beloved son, and look at what he wants for Timothy. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, man, I just want you to have grace, mercy, and true peace in your life. Paul says, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have made remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul is saying he's building up Timothy in this letter because Paul, Sister Sherry, is fixing to exit out of life. He's fixing to go and he's fixing to have his head laid out on the chopping block and he is fixing to give his life for the cause of Christ and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's fixing to be out of here and all of this stuff and all of this turmoil is fixing to start happening with the church. And what happens is, is that the church immediately kind of jumps up. It springs out of uh, Pentecost Day, right? When Andrew preached the other day about Peter preaching on those southern steps, you know, and what's cool about those steps is how 
each of them are, are different levels. One of them may be an 8-inch step, one of them may be a 12-inch step, and one of them may be a 6-inch step because it was where the priest would come in. You're supposed to make sure that you're guarding every step of the way, looking down, making sure you're making the proper steps. It was to remind everyone the same way with the Word of God. We are to make sure that we meticulously get everything right. And Paul is leaving nothing for question for Timothy. Paul is leaving absolutely no questions, no doubts in his mind. He says, Timothy, things are heating up, son. He said the church is moving from 3,000 being added at the day of Pentecost to 5,000 being added in a revival meeting to such being added every day. From It's moving from the fact of Philip going down and preaching in Gaza and a man receiving the word of God, just one man moving from a great revival that he was preaching. He said things are changing, man. He said, and a storm is on the horizon, and there are going to be uh, emperors and Caesars that are going to come just as Nero and Domitian and all these other ones, they're going to come in and they're going to be so filled with hatred towards Christianity that things are about to change. And he says, Timothy, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready for these days. And he says, and I want you to know that first of all, I'm called by God and I'm giving you this word from God, not from me, Timothy. I want to share something with you that's from God. He said, second of all, in the second verse, he said, I want nothing for you, man or son, except grace, mercy, and peace. He said, that's what I pray for. In other words, what he's saying is, is I'm not sitting around here, Brian, praying that you would go through these trials. He said, no, I'm praying that you would have grace and you would have mercy and you would have peace as you go through these things. But then in verse number three is where he begins to kind of set the mood of the change that's coming. He says, man, every day, night and day, he said, I pray for you. I'm praying for you. No matter what it is, when you come to my mind, Timothy, I'm praying for you. I'm asking God things on your behalf. I'm, I'm asking God to use you. I'm asking God to protect you. I'm asking God to give you strength that when they come to you and they take your family away and they take you away, that you would remain strong, Timothy. Night and day, I'm remembering you. And then look at verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you, he says, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with with joy. He said, I want to see you. He said, in my thoughts, in my minds, Brother David, I'm reminded of your tears. He says, but I want to be filled with joy. I want to be so filled with joy. There's a song that says it's hard to look through these tear-stained eyes and still see the scars in your hands. Sometimes people need to understand that Christianity will be a very bumpy road. doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. And Paul's trying to instill that in Timothy. And he says, the best thing that I can do for you, listen to this, the best thing that I know to do, Miss Martha, for you, Timothy, what I know to do is pray. Timothy, I could write another thesis. I could write another doctrinal statement. I could give you more truth and more scripture, which I know that is good. He says, but the best thing that I know to do for you is to pray that you'd have grace, mercy, and peace, son, and you'd keep going. And look at what Paul says. Paul says in verse number five, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother. This is the only time in all of the New Testament the word grandmother is used. It was first, it dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. Father, we ask you to please speak to us today through this word. Give us a good word today and help us, Lord, as we share this truth. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask it all together. It's all you, Lord. It's all you. Open our ears and give us ears to hear and, Lord, hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, being that grandmother, Paul said a few things, and I won't keep you very, very long today. I know you've got probably a busy day, but I want you to see this first of all. Paul called Timothy and told him to remember. You know, one of the greatest things that you have and you don't use as much as you should is your mind. You can take that everywhere you want. And I said it so it would just, wherever it settles, that's where it needs to be, right? But the greatest thing that is not used to its fullest is our mind. Many times we only think about things when they're right in front of us. Many times we're so busy that we can't think about things because why? We're running through our day. We're the little rabbit on Alice in Wonderland. We don't have the time. We don't have the time. We don't have the time. And we're constantly going and moving and moving and moving. And then therefore what happens? Our minds kind of get dormant on us. <laughs> I was going to say raise your hand if your mind's gotten dormant, but you may have forgotten. <laughs> right? It just kind of settles down because we're so busy. We think about work. We think about school. We think about all this other stuff, bills and, and life. We think about, listen, hospitals. When you're in the hospital, it's hard to keep the mind moving around and going in the right way because that's all you see every day. Not only that, but listen to this. When you're in sin, that's all that you see. The Bible says, David said, my sin is ever before me. So he can't really think about the goodness and the greatness of God because his sin is always before him. And so constantly what we're doing is we let all of those great memories of our mind and all of those things just kind of lay dormant and just kind of get just settled down until something happens and stirs it up. I love, I love and hate being able to see certain people sometimes. The only time I see certain people is either funerals, hospitals, sometimes an occasional wedding. But I love what we do now when we're honoring those who have gone home to be with the Lord. I love the fact that we have these video slides that kind of show. I love the fact of these huge picture collages because when you walk in, you see all of this memorabilia of all this. This person's life is just out on portrayal, you know, just out there as a portrait to everyone. And you're watching these videos. And I love it because grief strikes us when someone leaves. Grief strikes in such a way that when you're standing outside and you hear someone say a certain phrase, it sounds like your friend. And you immediately are struck in your heart, right? It comes and it just robs from us. But I love when we stand around through the grace of God. And I love watching people as tears may be rolling because, oh, we miss them. But they look at a screen and there's somebody, you know, with, you know, some big old guy with shorts all the way up to here. Who has a waistband that's about this wide, but the shorts are only this wide. And everybody's just laughing. They take it all in and they laugh and they cry and they laugh and they cry. You know what you're doing at that moment? Your mind is going from present to past, present to past, present to past. I looked at some pictures yesterday that Miss Patricia shared uh, of John and others in Santa Claus's hands and Nick and, and uh, uh, Heath and all of that stuff. And, man, there's certain pictures that I'm going to have to clear before I go home to be with the Lord if they're going to be shown. I don't want some of them shown, right? And uh, some of y'all that are here, I'm afraid that you would give them the patty but because um, I'm, I'm leaving first. But... You look at that and your mind's going back and forth, back and forth. And there is this emotional roller coaster that's happening. 
And then what we want to do as humans, we want to just push it all aside and let it all stay dormant. You know, there's people every year, Mother's Day, Father's Day, where they're constantly saying words like, I wish I could see my mother. I wish I could see my father. I miss them. I miss them. And what happens every year is that there's this stirring inside the mind, not just necessarily the heart, but the mind, to where the mind is just beginning to do what? To go back and forth and back and forth. My great-grandmother, who was a very nice lady most of the time, but called me fatty bread my whole life. She was so right. I wanted to call her little old lady, but I thought it would be very uh, uh, rude of me to do that. But, man, I miss that. We sat on the back porch. You know what we did on Sundays? Let me explain my Sunday to you on Mother's Day. We go and eat this huge meal. I sat on the back porch that was enclosed, and she had an aloe vera plant that looked like a gigantic alien, arms hanging off. You know what I did on Sundays? I broke the things off and just rubbed it all over me. I'm bored out of our brains. You know, they go, you want to go walk through the cemetery? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. And this is going to stay here and moisturize. Man, it was so boring. But I wish many times I could go back and just put, put the pause button on. And you can't. And that's what Paul's getting Timothy to do. Before he goes through a storm, he's saying, let me bring you into remembrance. Paul says, Timothy, remember. Look at what he says in verse number one, uh, uh, chapter number one, verse five. He says, when I call to remembrance. He says, Paul, when I think, uh, Paul said, Timothy, when I think about you, I'm bringing you up in my mind. And so Paul's talking about while I'm making my journey, I bring you up in my mind. While I'm building the tent, I, I, I bring you up in my mind. But look at verse number six. He even tells Timothy right here, wherefore I put thee into remembrance. He says, I want to bring you and bring your mind back into remembrance. I want you to remember everything that happened to you growing up. I want you to remember the difficult times. And Brother Edward, Timothy had some very difficult times in his life. Timothy is no different than you and I. Timothy had some experiences in life that were very difficult for a young boy. Even Paul says, you remember my son. He called him my faithful son, my son in the spirit, my son in the Lord in other scriptures. He said, listen, I know that you've had it difficult, but I want you to remember. And the things that we need to remember is this. First of all, is that if God has always been with us, through everything we've gone through, no matter if it was great tulip blessings and posies and, and walking in the roses and all that, or if it was the most difficult times ever, Paul's saying, Timothy, I want you to remember your life because I, don't, I want you to remember the bad times that you had, but how God was with you. Amen. I want you to remember the good times that you had, but God humbled you and reminded you that it was him all the way. That when he used you as a young preacher, when he used you as a young pastor, I want you to remember that it was God that did that. But when you couldn't get things straight in being a pastor and you allowed it to even affect your body, Timothy was affected even in his own body and his stomach because of all of the problems that he had with the church. And he allowed that to happen. He says, I want you to remember that God was with you then just as much as he was with you when you preached that great message. That God's not going to leave you. He's, Paul says, I want you to bring your memory up. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to sometimes stop and think, now listen to me, I know that immediately some of you go, I don't want to remember 
that. I know that. I understand that. But please understand what I'm trying to say. You also never, ever need to forget, even if it was a difficult time in your life, what God has done for you now. How God has brought you through that. Not out, but through those things. See, what happens is, is this, is that when we think about all this stuff, people have no idea what it means when someone didn't have it or someone had something that was really not there or fake or anything like that. Or they don't want to remember their mother on Mother's Day today because it makes it so hard because they're not here now. You need to take all of those times and all of that stuff and bring it into your mind and not forget that. Not forget those things. I, my grandmother, both all on that side, are, are going home to be with the Lord. I had one that was raised so-called in the city of North Birmingham, Fultondale area, and I had another one that was raised in the backwoods of Thorsby and Jemison, Alabama. I had one that ate chicken salad with grapes and pecans in it, and I had one that dipped brute in snuff. But that's the way they were. Kept it on the ironing board, you know. I, I used to think, what is that? Took a hold of it one day and tried it and never wanted it anymore in my life. How in the world could you do that? I had one that was content. They farmed. They sat in on their couches. I had another one that never, ever, their tires would wear off in a month were going all the time. Each of them being different in each way. But I bring that into my mind. And I bring the things that were taught, some that were good, and some that weren't so good. And bring all of that into my mind. Because why? Our memories, our minds are wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Not to just let it just sit there. But it recalls certain times and certain eras of our life to where we go, you know, God was just so wonderful. And how many of you remember those days where it was like slow as everything? I'm serious. I'm talking about it seemed like the clock would go tick, tick. And that was the second hand. It was just like good grief. And the slowness and the slow pace and the people who worship, they'd go to church on Sunday. They'd go in the afternoons to eat at mama's or grandma's or mamma's or papa's and stuff. Paul said, Timothy, don't forget what God's done for you. And as you're fixing to face this huge trial of persecution, don't forget where you come from. Don't forget what God's done. The second thing Paul did was this right here. He reminded Timothy of reality. He told him to remember, but he reminded Timothy of reality. Look at these words, and this is where I'd like to preach from. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, or I am persuaded, that in thee also. We're going to keep that up there for just a little bit. I want you to think about that. First of all, when you read these names of this mother and this grandmother, you don't read a name of a Hebrew woman. You read, these are what are called Hellenistic Jews. These are Jewish women that are Jewish by blood, but yet they were born outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea. They were born maybe in other parts of Asia, Asia Minor, Turkey, area, something like that, or even Rome, but yet they were called Hellenistic Jews because they were bloodline Jews, but yet citizens of another country. And so much of their name reflects where they grew up. 
much of their name kind of gives them away. You know what I mean? And, and so the other day, I think a friend of mine was sharing, you know, names today. We're, we're really digging for names today. You know what I mean? The, the days where you called your, every son and, and warrior was called Zach. Zach kind of got, you know, really good. Jacob's got really good. And now we're just sitting there, and we got people going, well, you know what? We want a name that's very different, very significant, so we're going to do that. I even read the other day, I think it was somebody shared it maybe in here. They said that there was this woman's name. Her name was Labora because she was born on Labor Day. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm thinking you're, pulling that, you're pushing that too much. That just doesn't need to be done, right, Drew? Labora, Labora Day, all right? We'll just figure out what, what can we call this one. If you're going to get to that point, just call them one, two, three, four, and five, right? But when you think about this, this name right here, there's really no big significance in these names today. Um, other than the fact that these are probably the, my favorite women's name in all of the Bible, uh, because they sound like they're from Thorsby or from Jemison, because Lois and Eunice sounds like two ladies that played on the Carol Burnett show, right? Uh, but you look at this, these names, they were Greek names. They were Roman or Greek names, and when brought out in this, you're kind of going, okay, well, what kind of life did Timothy have? The first thing that we got to look at right here, look at these words. There's three words that I want you to see. First of all, he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee. If you look at that, this word here is anahupakrisis in the Greek. You say, what is that? Hypocrisis or hypocrisy, you wouldn't understand this. It's the same word that we get, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means someone who is fake. Someone who plays a role, puts on an act. Someone who tries to fill a position, but it's just in masks and in attire only, but inwardly they still are no different. That is what a hypocrite is. And so here in this scripture, he's saying, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, he's saying that anahypocrisis, he's saying that anti in the beginning is the same way that guys you put in your vehicle and ladies you do antifreeze or antifreeze, and you put the anti in the front of it or you put just that beginning letter of A in front of it, what you're doing is, is that it's saying it's not hypocrisy, but is everything different from hypocrisy. And what Paul is saying, when I call to remembrance, when I think in my mind, Timothy, about your life and the non-hypocritical faith that you have. And what he's saying is, is the true and real faith. The faith that is one that holds, the one that is sure. He said, man, when I think about your non-hypocritical faith that's in thee, it gets Paul stirred up. See, here's what happens. We'll share something with you. This is going to be... Uh, a, a very sour pill to swallow at first. Goes into the stomach. It's going to hurt a little bit. But if you take the medicine, it could help you to be better. Right. Let me tell you something. Moms, grandmas, dads, granddads, every person in here. When you have lived your life in such a way to where you have named the name of Christ, you do all of these things and you honor him and you bring him glory and you do all this and all these kids are watching you, whether they're your own children, whether they're students in school, whether they are your students in Sunday school or just children in church that you know. You live this life and you say you do this and you do all that and then you totally go against everything that you said that you are. I want to share with you what you become in the sight of all children. A liar and a hypocrite. It totally changes 
every way that they view you and it messes with their trust of everyone else. Now, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you the truth. Is that all of these years could go by and you could say, I'm going to call back and I want to remember the time that my dad was like this or my mom was like this or my grandmother was like this. I'm going to go all the way back and remember all that stuff. And immediately, Wes, what they're going to do is they're going to go through the timeline and they're going to go, oh, man, they were there, they were there, they were there. Boom. They totally wigged out, they totally flipped out, and now they've not been there anymore. And to get back to the other point, you're going to have to fix somewhere in that timeline because what's happened is, is that now they go, I don't trust you. You've become hypocritical. I know it gets silent, but it's what happens. How do you do that? Repentance. True repentance to where you don't just say, forgive me, but you go back and say, forgive me of this. Forgive me of that that I did. Not just forgive me of this and that, but to walk true now. It's hard to trust in a pastor who preaches a certain message, but yet has been found out living an ungodly way out there in the world. But when Paul says, when I think about you, Timothy, I don't think of you the same way I think of Demas. Demas, do you remember him? Demas was the man that the Bible says that Paul had trust in, but he forsook him. How many of you remember Mark in the Bible, but Paul called him John Mark when they went on a missionary journey? Do you remember Paul was a man, we're going to be committed, we're going to commit ourselves to go out on this missionary journey and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then what happened? John Mark went back. And when John Mark went back, it made Paul not trust him very much anymore because he went back on his word. And when we go back on our word, it's hard to get that back again. And so Paul says, but when I think of you, Timothy, listen. He said, when I think of you, I don't think about Demas. He said, I don't think about John Mark when I look at you. I don't think about Diotrephes who wanted the pre, uh, preeminence in the church and power in the church and just wanted to be a, a, a power-struggling problem. He says, Timothy, when I think about you, the first word I think about is Anna Hypocrisis. No hypocrisy. Amen. Man, wouldn't you have, like to have that sewn into the lining of your casket? Yes, Carved in stone on your headstone out there at the graveyard? No hypocrisy. They lived an unfeigned life of faith. That's what Paul said. Look at the second word right here. The Bible says that it was in that which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois. I want you to look at that word dwelt. You know what that word means? It actually, Jacob, it means it tabernacled. It means that it built a cabin, built a tent, and it was on your grandma. It's a saying right here, what's good? How many, man, don't raise your hand, but how many are thankful that you had a godly grandmother, amen? A grandmother that took your name in prayer. A grandmother that called out your name unto the Lord. I had a grandmother that did that. I had two grandmothers that did that. When I got saved, I got my first church directory picture made, and I wrote on the back of it and gave it to my granny. I said, this person in this picture is totally different, amen, because of what Jesus has done. I can remember my mamma down in Thorsby, Alabama, that didn't have a whole lot of money. They didn't have a whole lot of possessions. They didn't have a whole lot of things and stuff. And I can remember every year she'd give me $5 on my birthday. She would give it to me on July the 4th. My birthday was June the 4th, but that's okay. She had a lot of grandkids and great-grandkids, you know. She spelt my name S-T-E-A-V-E. And the only reason she did, because that's the way she said my name, Stave. Okay? She was country, brute and snuff. Don't forget. 
And she said, my name's Stay. Well, she said, Stevie, right? She called me Stevie. I'll never forget back in my Michael Jackson days. I got a package in the mail from Thorsby, Alabama, and it was the thriller jacket that Michael Jackson had on. I know some of you laugh all you want. Those are the pictures I won't have shared, okay? But I looked at that, and many of you think, that's a stupid illustration, but it's not. They had nothing. We picked poked salad on the side of the road. Edward, she didn't have enough money to buy that kind of But it was in the mail for my birthday with a card to Stavy. You know, think about it, church. Those are wonderful memories. But what about when you used to go up here to the B&B supermarket when there was a storefront church up there? And my uncle and all of them would come up here and sing and a group called Deliverance, and they would sing the gospel music, and there sat my mama, and she had praised God, and she had her Church of God woman bun up, up, you know, the beehive bun and stuff, and they'd get excited by the end of the night. It'd fall and be messed up, but they'd get excited, and they'd pray, and they'd shout, and they'd give glory to God. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad. I'm glad that it first dwelt in my grandmother. It says it dwelt with them. See, that's the difference. It can't just visit, and it can't just pass by. He says, it was all over your grandmother. He said it dwelt first in her. And then look what it says. It says it was such a moving faith that that faith moved from dwelling with her to secondly, it went to your mother, Eunice. Right? said that they had, evidently they had a great fellowship with the Lord, amen? These women were evidently saved over in Acts. We'll talk about it in Acts chapter 16. Evidently saved under Paul's preaching at Lystra. They received the word of God with gladness. And listen, God moved and swept upon them, and it dwelt on the grandma, and the grandma told the mama, and the mama did this. Look at this last word I want you to see. It was an unfeigned faith that dwelt or tabernacled upon the grandmother and the mother. And then look at this last word. And, Paul, and he said, Paul said, I'm Timothy, and Timothy... I'm persuaded. I'm moved to this decision. I'm persuaded that it's in you also. He said, I, when I think about you, Timothy, I think about how God moved on your grandmother, moved on your mother, and then moved on you. And some of you may think, well, what's the big deal in that? That's the exact same way it happened to me. It happened to me that way, Brother Steve. And all this is really no big thing. And looking at this, it's a very big thing. Because most of the time in every home, when the father or a grandfather receives it, like 93 or 92% of the family follows his lead to Christ. But in Timothy's life, Paul says, when I think of you, Timothy, he said, man, you're different. Even the way that you got it is different. He said, man, when I think about you and I think about your wonderful grandmother, and I think about your mother. He said, it makes me happy to know that that unfeigned faith that I saw in them, Sister Jennifer, I see it in you, Timothy. Man, isn't that awesome? That is such a moving thing. And some of you are going, but Brother Steve, I didn't have a grandmother like that. Brother Steve, I didn't even have a mother like that. But you can begin today to be Lois. You can begin today to set that standard of unfaith or unfeigned faith, non-hypocritical 
faith. Not coming to church and oh, 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 and then out there and living absolutely different from what you say. You can be that lowest that the Holy Spirit and that unfeigned, non-hypocritical faith dwells on you and in you. And you can be able to be a mother or a grandmother to be able to pass it to them. Listen to this last thing. Paul reminded Timothy. He said, Timothy, you need to remember he said, Timothy, you need to be reminded of the reality of what's going on. Paul said, the faith is real in you. Look at the last thing. Paul reminded Timothy of his role. You know, roles are very important. People say today, you know, well, what's the big deal? And we have leadership that don't act like leaders and all this, and that roles are not very big. They are. I have handkerchiefs that's sewn on them that say, shut your hole and know your role. I do. It constantly, that way when I look at it, I go, okay, I know, God, you're right. I know what I need to be doing, right? We need to just stay the course and to know that he is the one that's in that position. Paul said, Timothy, let me remind you of your role. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance. He says, that thou stir up the gift of God. You remember he said, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And what he's talking about, church, is that Paul's not saying, I did it for you because my hands, like, passed the power down to you. He's saying, no, do you remember when the presbytery met together? Do you remember when you surrendered to the call to preach the gospel? Surrendered to the call, the ordaining power, the ordaining counsel of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not pastor, deacons, and all of that. But do you remember when we all gathered around you and we knew the calling you had on your life and we laid our hands on you in agreeing with you that God's called you to the ministry. God's called you to pastor. God's called you to preach the word of God. Do you remember? And he says, Timothy, what my desire to do for you before you endure hardness is this, son, is to make you remember where you came from, to make you remember your grandmother and your mother and the faith, the unhypocritical faith, non-hypocritical faith that was in them, that's in you also, and you always need to remember your calling, son. Don't forget you're not called to please people, but you're called to please God. Amen. And when it gets difficult, you preach the word anyway. And he says, I'm praying that not only does your mind become stirred up by thinking of where you came from. Listen to this. This is good. He said, but I'm praying that your heart and spirit is stirred up by God who has called you and gifted you and done those things. And he even said at the end, he said, and listen, don't forget that we believed in you. I believed in you. That's why I placed my hand on you. And prayed for you, son. Listen, we need to know that everyone has a role in life. What role do you and your faith play in the life of believers or especially young believers? Is it going to have an everlasting effect on them? And let me tell you something. You may not see the fruit of your unfeigned faith and its effect on young people every single day. But I'm going to tell you something. You will immediately see your hypocritical faith. Because it affects them. A tree out in the woods, especially in the south, these beautiful pine trees have saplings that grow all around them. And when that huge tree falls because of the deadness and the corruptness that's inside of it, don't you ever forget, it's crushing all the saplings that fall, that it falls upon. And when we live hypocritical lives, young people, children, see it quicker than adults do. They 
know and they see everything. Everyone has a role in life. We play significant parts. Listen, some of you play the role of a father, some a mother. Some of you are granddads. Some of you are pawpaws or pops. Some of you are grandmothers. Some of you are grannies. Some of you are mamas and mamas and mimis. And even now, we're trying to spruce it up a little bit to stay young. You've got pop and lolly, lollipop. You know what I mean? Some of you are what this scripture says in the Greek. You're just mamie. You know what I mean? You're mamie or mommy or whatever you want to call. We all have a role. Some of us are brothers. Some of us are sisters, pastors. Some of us are teachers and some of us are just friends. Timothy, he had roles in his life. Listen to me. All of you ladies, listen to me. Pay attention. Lean in on this part right here. Timothy didn't have the father role as very much. Timothy didn't have the fatherly role. Look at what Acts chapter 16, verse number 1 says right here. The Bible says that then they came, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple there was named uh, was uh, was there named Timotheus, Timothy, the son. Look at this of a certain woman who was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek. That's all that we know about Timothy's father. All that we know is that he was a Greek. All that we know is that Lois. And whoever the grandfather was allowed the daughter Eunice to marry Timothy's dad that was a Greek. We don't know and we can't speculate. We could say, well, maybe he wasn't in the picture. If he would have been more in the picture, I'm pretty convinced that there would have been more scriptures or some kind of more emphasis about Timothy's father coming from Paul. But Paul constantly said, Matt, you're my son in the faith. You're my son in the spirit. You're my son in the gospel For some reason, there was this bond that Paul had with Timothy that was not just preacher to young preacher, but it was father to son kind of role. And so many times you may think that you've missed out because you didn't have that role, but the whole answer is this. Everybody plays a role in your life. And just because they may not be filled through bloodline, God still fills all of those roles that you've needed. And you can choose to do this. You can choose to spend all of your life focused on why you didn't have that one role. Or you can choose to say someone else played that part and filled that role. And because of the grace of God, I understand unfeigned faith because of that person. There are some that are grandmas, but then there are some that are grandmothers, which means it's good. And the only way, come on, Brent, the only way a, a fat preacher can help you identify and understand this is that there are some canned biscuits, but then there's some called grands. And you, my fat friends, are going to have to help me out. You get those canned biscuits, and they, they're brought to the plate, and they're about this big. And they go, oh, well, they have layers. You know why they have layers? To make you feel like you got something. But you get a grand biscuit. That's one of them that we call cathead biscuits. You know what I mean? It, 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 you, it's a different. It's, it's different. When she takes it in there or Jacob does it a lot of times cooking these biscuits, when you hear those little cans, they go whoop. When you hear a, a grand can of biscuits open, it's You know what I mean? Because now it's just went like we have, just popped open. Why? Those are good biscuits. 
Though, why? Because there's more to it. Right. And that's what I'm telling you. Is that there are some people that are grandmothers and mothers and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and dads and all that. But then there are some that are absolutely grand. Because why? Not because of them. But because of the role that they played in your life and what they gave you. And you know what? There's some people that are even here. They could tell you that their mothers passed away early. They never remember their grandmothers. But they have picked out somebody in the church throughout their history. And that person, Miss Martha, filled that role for them. So you've not gone without. Even though you think it's gone without because of bloodline, you've not gone without. God has sufficiently given you everything that you need. Paul could have said, I ain't got a dad. But he had a grandmother. I ain't got a dad. He's not, over, he's not ever around. But you got a mother. And Paul ended with these words right here. Look at with me in verse number 7. For God's not given us the spirit of fear. God doesn't want you to feel like you're lacking in something. Fearful, like I don't have it, I don't have it. See what he's saying? Isn't it crazy that all of those six verses, we take this seventh verse out, Daniel, and we use it for all this other stuff. When we tie it together, what Paul was actually saying, it makes more sense to keep it in the context. Because he's saying what? It's about to get ugly. I want you to remember where you came from. I want you to remember the faith, the unfeigned faith of your grandmother and your mother. I want you to remember your calling and allow the Holy Ghost to stir you up. And, and I want you to remember this, Timothy. Don't fear. God's not giving you the spirit of fear to think I'm lacking. I miss this. I don't have this. This role is missing and all that. He says, but God's giving you the spirit of power. God called you. He's given you the spirit of love. You've had that in your life. And then the last thing he says right there, John, he says, you got a sound mind. Which brings us all the way back to the beginning of the sermon. One of the poorest used things that we have is our mind. Because we just let it set. Paul says, you've got a sound mind. Don't let it be chaotic and make and convince and try to make or try to convince you that you don't have what you need because you do have what you need. I had a lot of grandmothers and mamas and all that that were here at the church. I had one lady who was like a grandmother to me who absolutely hated the drums. Despised them, took her hearing aid out and held it in her hand, and that thing beeped the whole time we sang. But I loved her. Every, every time I got through preaching, she gave me two pieces of three cent bubble gum. Every time. I don't know what that meant. It might have meant that's all it was worth. I had a grandmother that stood up in the back. Last words she told me were, I love you. I had a lot of people that were very influential to me because of their unfeigned faith, which makes my mind at ease to know I was never lacking. Let me ask you something. Do you think you're missing something? Do you think you're missing something because maybe you didn't have a certain role, grandparent or parent? Do you think you're lacking in all of that and that's why you're not able to be what you really need to be or fully need to be. I got to tell you, you need to stop and don't fear and don't question God.
that need to walk in power and in love and in a sound mind. Bring it all into memory today. Bring it all into your mind and say, God, even though my dad wasn't there, even though my grandmother wasn't there, you were always there. And Lord, I never lacked, not for one thing. Will you pray with me today? Will you join me? Maybe some of you want to absolutely just move toward him and say, I want to come to the altar. See, you're welcome to do that. You just want to come and tell him today, Lord, I want to thank you for the roles, those people who played a role in my life. The mothers, grandmothers, granddads, dads, all them. But I want to thank you for playing the greatest part, Lord. Thank you for always being there for me, even when I didn't think I had anybody. Thank you. Whatever you need to do today, Father, we thank you for faith that is non-hypocritical. We thank you for people who've played specific roles in our lives. Lord, those that were that filled those positions biologically. For those that filled those positions in our lives spiritually, no matter what it was. Timothy didn't have that role, but he had that role fulfilled in Paul. Paul reminded him of the things that his own father maybe needed to remind him of, of of his grandmother and his mother. Thank you, Lord, for always being there with us. Father, I pray you'd speak to everyone today. Lord, you're the only one that can speak to the hearts. You're the only one that can help those who need that help. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you this time, Lord, to speak to us. I pray that people hear.